yeah, it's it's great to see. It really is great to see. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. Uh, my name is Jeremiah, and I have with me um, a very special guest from War Games Atlantic, uh, Carl. Uh, why don't you say hello and sort of give us a brief introduction? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I don't know about special guests. I'm just some guy that works at War Games Atlantic. But yeah, my name's Carl Oliver Kiriaku. Um, you, you may know of me if you follow War Games Atlantic. I'm the new, uh, what's my job title? Sales uh, director? director of sales. Yeah. Director of sales. There you go. Yeah. Going uh, way around. And I, I think that's awesome. And <laughs> yes, cool. and 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 congratulations on your new on your new job. And thank you. And I hope that it that the transition in has been good and you're hit yeah. the ground running. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. I've been learning about loads of new cool stuff that I didn't know. And you know, it's it's always cool to to join an organization that has a lot of creative products going on because you, you just get exposed to all those all those yeah. things very rapidly and it, it can become information overload but equally it's just it's awesome getting your hands on new stuff and seeing things before you know the public yeah. sees them and getting to a chance to test them and play with them yeah and i and and we're going to get into that a little bit and and, and i have some questions from some of our listeners and right. and so i'm excited to ask those of you but before we kind of focus on your new job and war games atlantic i'd love to just get to know a little bit more about you personally would love to know about your hobby journey and and just kind of what, how'd you get started? And, and then what's it like to work in the industry like that for a lot of my listeners, that's, that's like a, a dream. Right. And, uh, it, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah spoil the illusion. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I will say 100% that, um, working in the industry is like working in any other job. It's just, it just so happens that it's a thing that we all love and care about. So, you know, I, I presume it's the same as somebody who loves cars and then goes to work for, you know, like Mercedes or Land Rover or something like that. You know, they, they're going to love that job. But uh, in terms of day to day, it's it's pretty normal work stuff. You know, we're, we're calling people and setting up deals and talking to sculptors and doing all that stuff and moving stock around the world. And when you really boil it down, it's just like any other desk job. But the bonus is you get to look and play and feel and touch and prod and poke all of the cool stuff that we make. And if that's your thing, then that's the thing that's the cherry on top, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, look, I mean, about me, there really isn't that much interesting stuff to know about me. I mean, I could tell you about my hobby journey. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm a very late bloomer in terms of hobby. Um, my friends don't let me forget it because I, I tried to get into 40K, which is where everybody gets into the hobby, I think, right? Yeah. Is I, I tried to play Chaos, right? And I didn't understand anything about Chaos back in 2013, 2014. Um, so I just bought a load of stuff off eBay and was like, I'm going to play Chaos. Lost every game that I played. Yeah. Decided to donate all my stuff to a friend. And then I recently, <laughs> recently, I, that was it. Like that was the extent of my hobby journey was I tried wow. 40K, didn't like it. Um, and then I just didn't do any other hobby. I didn't do, I didn't, hadn't tried Bolt Action. I hadn't tried uh, any other game system out there until, um, what was it, 2018 maybe? So 2018, I'm sat in the living room with my dad, and we're just watching rubbish on YouTube, and this Bolt Action Battle Report comes on, and we're like, oh, we should probably get into that. That looks fun. So huh. we go out, we drop a couple of hundred quid on, a, I think it was a British parachute starter army, Paris starter army, and then, you know, I had to play the Germans because he wanted to play the Paris, so I just got some German ideas. And then from there, it's just spiraled into... You know, like any hobby, it becomes super addictive. I've now got 19 Warhammer 40k armies. I've got every Marvel Crisis Protocol release. I've got X-Wing. I've got Armada. I've got more War Games Atlantic stuff than I know what to do with. Um, so, yeah. My advice, if you're looking to get into the hobby, is, you know, seriously consider it. Like, if you have a spouse or a mortgage or children to worry about, you know, maybe think, think twice. <laughs> it's expensive. It's very expensive. Isn't that? No, it's, it's it's great fun. It's honestly great yeah. fun. Yeah. So 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 we had so we have. I heard 40k. I heard Marvel Crisis Protocol. I heard. Oh yeah. I mean, to list every game I've got. I've got two and, Dominion boxes staring at me from across the room that I haven't done anything with yet. Um, okay. What else is there? We play That's a ton Age of Sigma, right? That's the yeah yeah Age, okay. Age, uh, yeah Age of Sigma. Um, what else? We play a ton of D&D &D at my place as well, which the War Games nice. Atlantic models are fantastic for because yeah. 
you know, where else are you going to get 30 multi-pose hard plastic goblins for uh, that quality for that price, you know, 25 pounds. That's right. great. Um, I don't even think, I mean, I've got some of the Kings of War stuff as well, which I used yeah. to use, um, but I don't even think the, uh, I mean, cause it, it sounds like I'm ripping on other companies. I'm not because other companies have their place and, and I love the stuff that Mantic do, but the, you could tell the Kings of War goblins are built for rank and file battles, right? Because they're right. just, they're very, you know, solo posy. Um, whereas, you know, the stuff that we do is a little bit more monopose and creative, which, you know, it's, it's, there's pros and cons to both. If you're playing a skirmish game, I'd say get the ones that you can be creative with. If you're playing a rank and file game and you need to paint 150 of these guys, I yeah. would not be spending the time to <laughs> do yeah. the war games Atlantic ones. But no, yeah, we play a ton of D&D. Um, yeah, what else is there? I think that's kind of it, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. X-Wing. What else have we got? Uh, I'm just trying to... Yeah, I mean, obviously, Bolt Action, Cruel Seas, Victory at Seas, uh, Black Seas. Yeah. But they do a lot of Seas games on Reflection, don't they? Yeah, um, that is interesting. Yeah. yeah, Blood Red Skies. Blood Red Skies is a brilliant oh, game. Yeah. yeah fantastic yeah. game. Um, oh. And that's kind of it. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, you know, um, I'm... You know, I have a small group of, of folks in my area. I, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and and we have a group of, of folks that play uh, Saga um, by Tomahawk Studios. Yeah. And and they've talked about using your kits for you know for for some of their war bands. And mm -hmm. then I recently started you know hanging out with some of the Kings of War uh, guys up here, and and they did the same thing, same idea. They're like, oh, this kit would be great for. <laughs> You know for this unit or whatever and yeah and so um and so that was sort of my introduction to war games atlantic and as i've been looking at your kits uh yeah they look amazing and so many options and stuff and they kind of remind me of the very first uh uh frostgrave kit that i purchased um mm. who put that out that was nick uh nick's yeah, north star yeah north star that's what it is yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the first yeah. plastics they did wasn't it yeah yeah and I loved having all those options, and that and that was great. And um, but um, but there's there's a nice flavor to yours that um, that, that that are very inviting. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 gonna let, I'm not being at War Games Atlantic long, so I can't speak about this intelligently. But sure, from my from my very short term understanding is that we make a slightly more realistic sort of grounded in reality stuff and i and i use that term lightly because we we make things like lizard men and goblins you know but they're a little bit more uh, how do you say there's a realistic lizard men but you know what i mean they're, they're less cartoony yeah. whereas nick's stuff um at north star is great the frostgrave plastic specifically because yeah. it's a different flavor of of style you know it's um it's a little bit more cartoony it's a little bit more you know tongue-in-cheek and yeah i love that stuff i specifically love the fact that you know and we've kind of we've done a very similar thing obviously with a lot of our stuff you, you see kit bashes of our things all over the place but the yeah. fact that everything's multi-compatible as well is i think one of the things that uh, people that are you know not in the mainstream and by the mainstream i mean the 99.99% of people that play games workshop, if they're looking at another hobby and they're looking at, you know, a miniatures agnostic game or maybe like a custom rule set or one of the smaller yeah. games like Frostgrave or Bolt Action or whatever we might do in the future, um, having that ability to make something your own, I think is one of the key linchpins to, to getting people into that side of the hobby because, yeah. you know, I think as gamers, we convince ourselves that it's the rule set that's making us do this, but actually the rule set is just an enabler for us to go and be creative. And that's what we tell ourselves. Yeah. yeah, we, um, yeah, some of the stuff that we make is, I mean, all of the stuff that we make is fantastic, but some of it is, is really, really great. Um, and, and I love seeing that it's getting super popular. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point that you just made about, um, like the, sort of the lie that we tell ourselves that is the game or or is like the branding of a game yeah yeah but but really what keeps us is you know you know i painted that like i built yeah. that i modeled that i posed that you know i did this you know exactly. i did the green stuff sculpting for that and and you want to use that in as many games as possible you know yeah, yeah. and that's and what, that's, what, that's what keeps us and and that's why I'm like the next project I've got. I'm really excited about is uh, you know I've got a load of um, grognards on order with the heavy weapons teams because I'm going to use those for both Stargrave and you know militia and cults for 30k. Nice. So you know it's it's but it's it's like I don't really know how to describe it. I don't know what the words are for it. It's not about the game. It's about 
it's about the modeling and the and the painting and the building and the putting it on the shelf and saying here look at this thing that i've created um and we you know they've got some fantastic detail on them and they look different to everyone else's which makes it a conversation piece yeah so before we go into some of the lines and some of the questions uh, from War Games Atlantic and and some of the questions that my listeners have, have asked, I I want to circle back to uh, that 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 moment sitting on the couch with your dad on both. Yeah. Ends. So so do you still play bolt action with your dad? Um, um occasionally less the other games with you or like you yeah know. less than I'd like. Um, yeah. I mean my dad is like. He doesn't understand. He's a typical dad, right? He doesn't understand 40K. He's like, a, he comes in, he's like, are you winning, son? Um, but um, no, yeah, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the fantasy setting um, of, yeah. of any game. He just, he only understands historical. So we, we play bolt action on occasion. We tried a couple of the other games together, like Victory at Seas and stuff, but it just, yeah. it, for whatever reason, it doesn't tick his box. So okay. we, we mainly play bolt action. And what we'll usually do is we'll carve out a weekend and, you know, roll a couple of dice and say, right, okay, we're playing mission two, four, and seven from this campaign book. And yeah. we'll just get the stuff out and play it. Um, and then there'll be like a two, three month period where we don't play because we're building up to whatever the next campaign book is that we're interested in. So that's kind of our process. But yeah, we still, we still, let's see them every day. We still play games. That's, that's a nice rhythm. Um, you know, being personally, yeah. uh, Bolt Action is uh, a game that is on my bucket list to try. I, I yeah. still have yet to even get a demo of it. I've I've watched you know videos online and I've read and I listened to interviews and from podcasts and things like that. But um, and and War Games Atlantic, you have some models that would fit in that line, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've got yeah. um, what have we got now for the World War Two range? We've got World War One and World War Two French, which um, yeah. in multi-part plastic, which is fantastic for uh, I mean the early war stuff because you know. France yeah. as, a, as a fighting nation really wasn't around for the mid, you know, they came back at the at the late war for a little bit, but they were mainly were using American equipment. Um, yeah. So yeah, they, they're great. We've got the Italians that have just came out as well, uh, which can both be, and I'm not going to embarrass myself by not knowing the difference, but they could be the guys in the green or the desert guys with the big cockerel feathers on their hats. Nice. Yeah. Don't at me because I don't know the right words. Um, <laughs> then we've got, the, we've got the Panzalier as well, which has um, yes. yeah. come out. Yeah. Um, and the Panzerlier are fantastic because they are like the, well, they're the Panzer infantry, you know, they're the armored yeah. infantry guys going forward and, and holding ground. So uh, they've been very popular. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at those Italians and, and I love how you described them. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I find in, in historical miniature groups is there's usually at least one person who really, really knows their stuff. And then, you know, I'm not and, that guy. yeah, I am not that guy either. Yeah. And yeah. so I just want to put models on the table and, and yeah. have a good time. So yeah. just <laughs> so, are they vaguely the right color uniform? That's the level I play at, right? Yes. I'm not like, a, you know, you go to events and it's like, that isn't the right shade of uniform gray for the late war. I'm just like, I mean, I don't care. Like, yeah. Please yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So, um, so that's exciting that you still play. I think that's a, with your dad, I think that's a nice rhythm, honestly. Yeah. And you know, because, you know, even even like the weekly game night down at the store or the club or whatever, mm. um, that's hard to maintain, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, I mean, you say yeah. that. We had a, like an agreement in our friendship group that we would play every Friday. And this is the first Friday that we will be playing, 7 o'clock tonight. So uh, nice. and it's, it's just two of us playing Lord of the Rings. It's not even all of us. So, yeah, life gets in the way. you got to, like, that's the other thing about this hobby. you got to make time to make time. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to be able to say, no, I can't mow the lawn or sweep the gravel off the drive or, you know, go up in the loft and move furniture around. I've got to, you know, I need to enjoy my hobby. And it's great having a hobby. It, it yeah. is because, yeah, a sort of therapeutic, rhythmic hobby like this, you can just chuck something on the TV, you know, watch a documentary, watch your favorite film, watch a couple of shorts. And before you know it, you've got your first five dudes done, painted, based, etc. And, you know, from there, you're into a whole new social world, meeting people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've met a lot of people through the hobby, and yeah. and some of them have really become good friends. So yeah. it's been great. So um, let's talk a little bit more. Let's get into War Games Atlantic as a company. Yeah. Um, you know, you're the director of sales, and so one of the questions uh, that was that was presented was. You know, um, how, uh, what do you know about your customer base? Like what the demographic is, um, where, where do the majority of your customers come from? 
Um, and, you know, and, and then we'll, I guess we'll start there. We have a couple more questions to, as follow up, but, um, but it's kind of fun seeing where, you know, where the influence is. And so where's, yeah. where's War Games Atlantic's influence? Yeah, so like I, some of those questions are really easy to answer because they're just they're factual answers. So yeah. I can't get in trouble for answering those. So what what we know is the majority of our customers are male or identify as male when they yeah. check the customer preference box. So we know that, and we know that most of our business comes from the English speaking parts of the world. You know, it probably yeah. ranked as UK US kind of on an equal par with each other, and then you know going down in order in terms of how how much of a main language English is, you know, so through Australia, South America, Canada, uh, sorry, South America, South Africa, Canada, um, and all, all those places. And then it's kind of the, the traditional European split based on, you know, how big the economy is there or whether there's a specific, you know, distributor that we have in that region. Um, it's probably not a true reflection. Like our sales figures are probably not a true reflection of how big hobby is in those places. Like you know, when we use the term hobby, we mean like, are you buying miniatures for D&D or are you buying Star Wars Armada or are you playing Bolt Action or are you buying War Games Atlantic? We, you know, I don't think it's ever going to be possible to know that penetration. Um, but, you know, I, th I think we're probably a bit too small to make an educated guess as to where our most popular market is at the moment. Because yeah. we're, we're still quite young. You know, we're three, I think we're three years old today as a company. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy birthday to us, right? Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, we've been going three years. We've got like 26, 27 SKUs out at the moment, which, yeah. you know, it's not a lot when you think about it uh, for a company that's been going three years. But our mantra is very much we only make things in 28 mil plastic. You know, yeah. that's all we do. We're never going to do metal. We're never going to do resin. We, we genuinely believe that those are the mediums of death. Like they are just not profitable and they're a time sink. And, um, you know, we, we don't want to be doing that stuff. Yeah. We want to be yeah. making really high quality, customizable plastic kits. Yeah. Are you familiar with, uh, oh, I think it's War Games, uh, Soldiers and Strategy magazine. They put out the annual uh, War Games survey. Yes. Uh, yeah, I do read it but almost yeah. every year. Yeah. I don't think I read the last one, though. So you're going to surprise me. Yeah. Well, no, I haven't read the, uh, oh. the last one yet. But but I just know that um, that I've I've participated in the survey in the past, um, I haven't the last year or two, I don't think. Um, but I always love the episode where they where they talk about the results of the survey. Yeah, and you know, and 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 I think some of it is you know is telling. So, um, like one of the things I wanted to comment is, you know, this is uh, this March is you know Women's History Month, and and one of the things that I always try to do is bring on guests. You know who identify as women and you don't know, want to talk and can talk from that perspective of, yeah. of being in the hobby and in actually my most recent episode i had one of my one of my favorite local painters on Alyssa, and and if i remember right i think i think the trend i think it's expanding i think it's slower but i think i think yeah. the expanding is there I, I think it's i think it's deeper than that you know i think it's like as a social thing i think it's deeper than just why don't women like war games because yeah. that, that's such an abstract question it's like why don't women like you know the color orange like that, that question doesn't mean anything but i think as like socially as nerd culture is becoming more and more accepted and we realize as a species thanks to things like stranger things and the witcher and all of these great programs that are promoting nerd culture that actually the, you know the guy that used to play Yu-Gi-Oh in school you know, he isn't weird for being passionate about a thing, just like women aren't weird for being passionate about, you know, whatever they're passionate about. Sure. And I, what, what I think we're breaking down is I don't think more women are becoming interested in this sort of male-dominated world. I just think we're, we're being better people at breaking down the barriers of women getting into this world um, like you know, and become, becoming accepted. You know, I go to my local gaming store. I'll give them a very brief shout-out. It's called Glasshammer. They've got like, like 70-odd tables. It's fantastic for events and stuff. Nice. Um, but they every time I'm there on a Friday, there's uh, a Pokemon group, there's like a Magic the Gathering group, and you do see the split. Like there's a lot more women playing card games, but there's still a lot more women playing miniatures games than there were, you know, five years ago. And I, yeah. I love that. It's fantastic. Like the D and D group that we run here, um, it's I think like three of the seven people are women. Yeah. Um, which is great to see. And I love yeah. that. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And from a business perspective, we want to see more women in war gaming because why would we exclude 50% of the global market? You know, it makes no sense. Yeah. You know? But they're just yeah. as capable of having a great time and enjoying it as 
as anybody else. Yeah. So, so another question that came from our, our listeners is a great follow-up to that. And the, the question was, was stated generally, like, you know, what is your current strategy for attracting new customers? Um, and, and, and maybe the follow-up would be, or a, a sub follow-up would be like, you know, does that strategy change when to attract, you know, women customers or, yeah. or is the, or is the strategy, you know, I think one of the dangers you can fall into when you get into things like advertising and marketing budget and stuff, yeah. because you, one of the great things about business is it just boils everything down to numbers. So you just look at what the numbers tell you and then do what the numbers say. But, you know, if we were to do that holistically, we would only advertise to men between the ages of 18 and 35, you know, and try to catch them for like a three to five year period of a buying cycle, hoping that they make one purchase of $45 every three months. You know, that's yeah. what we'd be hoping for. But the other way to look at that information is, you know, we only have, and I think ours is quite high. I think ours is like, yeah, 13, 14% female market share of our total number. So it's pretty good. Um, but um, yeah, the other way to look at that is to go, well, there's, you know, there's 50% more women out there that we're just not, for whatever reason, yeah. hitting the mark with or winning. Um, but to answer it more specifically about your question is, yeah, so we, we always bear that in mind, right? The, the, it's not just we're thinking about women, we're thinking about women, we're thinking about, we're not. We're thinking about women buying, we're thinking about children buying, we're thinking about lots of different, very specific niche demographics. You know, we're looking at the 65 plus older people that have only ever bought metals and how our strategy is going to convince them to buy plastic. You yeah, know? that's um, that's a good question. I would, I'd yeah. like to hear about more about that too. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a story about that. And uh, okay. rem just yeah. remind me, just remind me hammerhead in a second. Cause that's another okay. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, to to answer more specifically, the other question is, you know, we, we're working with influencers. That's a big part of what we do. Um, so we have a lot of people that we send product to. Uh, it's, it's all disclosed. You can go and look this stuff up um, for their honest reviews. We, we When we send stuff to people, we just say, look, you know, it's yours. Do what you want. We don't care. Um, you know, all that we ask is that you be honest. Um, yeah. So they're under no obligation to go, hey, this is the greatest thing in the world because I've been paid to say so. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good. And then, you know, standard stuff, newsletter, marketing, social media, outreach, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're just about to start dabbling into the, the whole, um, what's it called? Um, algorithmic stuff like the Facebook marketing and yeah. uh, PPC and all that stuff. But that, yeah, your listeners don't want to know about algorithms and stuff. That's boring. <laughs> but yeah, we, it's important to us. It's important. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned, um, an example, so I will get to hammerhead in, in a second. Yes. Um, before, we get, before we get there, you mentioned, you know, um, like a customer goal. And I don't know if this is what your actual goal is, but as an example of a goal, one purchase of $45 every three months, like, do you have, like, do you have goals like that in, in terms of for customers? Um, I mean, I use that as a phrase cause that's, that's kind of like one of the ways we would measure it in my other companies, um, Got so it. Kind okay. of more like a turn of phrase. We don't okay. measure things like that at War Games Atlantic. You know, we're very okay. much like how successful do we want this one skew to be on launch? Got it. You know? Okay. Uh, and then we have targets that are derived on, you know, this is what our pre-order number is going to be. This is what our launch number is going to be. You know, all that kind of stuff. How much are we yeah. going to sell to consumer? How much are we going to sell to trade? Standard, okay. you know, like I was saying at the beginning about this, you know, working for your hobbies, it's standard business stuff. It yeah. just so happens that we're selling toy soldiers rather than okay. car parts or spark plugs. Yeah. So, so like, you know, I think before, um, in the very beginning of our conversation, you, you mentioned the, with the conquistador line, you yeah. were, you were surprised at how well that sold. Um, yeah. Because... So we put it up on pre-order and it, it hit expectations. And then I think it got featured on either spiky bits or Goonhammer or both. Uh, it's definitely on both now going, you know, and this just shows how naive I am as a newcomer hobbyist, you know, I've only been doing this stuff for like five years. Yeah. But you know, Posts basically saying conquistadors would make fantastic um, X, Y, and Z for Warhammer Fantasy. I think Empire is the faction. Is that right? right? Yeah. yeah okay. Right. I'm not a fantasy guy. They stopped making that before I started buying stuff. So um, yeah, and then since then, you know, we noticed the spike in sales, and that was fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And nice to yeah. know that hit. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. conquistadors might be one of the first kits that we sell out of before we've actually like received the goods. Um, that's funny because wow. yeah it's we mm. didn't plan for that 
which is an oversight. We need to be better at that. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good sign too, I think. Good trend. So hmm. you, you know, introduce more more kits like that. So let's go back to that hammerhead story, converting yeah. older so, model not from metal to plastic. <laughs> so I, I went to, um, and this is not a dig on Hammerhead because I've been to Hammerhead in the past and Hammerhead, the event has been fantastic. Yeah. But I went there um, whenever it was this month, earlier this month, um, just to have a nose around, say hello to a few people, introduce myself. I was still very new in the role. So, uh, but I just noticed that other than, other than a couple of people, um, everyone was selling white metal models and it's like i'm wondering what it takes now like from a, like the the analytical side of my brain and, and marketing side of my brain is going wonder what it takes to get these people where well, i'm going to 100 stereotype and get hate for this but it's, it's typically older white dudes right this is the market for metal models is well how do we get those guys to buy plastic because yeah that's a captive market right there they're they're already gaming we're not yeah. asking them to become a new gamer we're just asking them to change the medium of which they um which they gain in so yeah that's something that's been on the forefront of my mind as a little marketing experiment for the the past two weeks i don't have an answer yet but okay it's it's there it's in there yeah yeah we uh you know we have a discord server for our podcast listeners mm -hmm. and you know the metal plastic comes up and 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 in general i think my audience is a little bit younger youngerish yeah. you know they're within 10 years either side of my age i think and I'm I'm 42, and um, but uh, uh, but like it's it's curious how it how it resurfaces every now and then. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier, well, there's, some, there's some fantastic stuff out there. It's not just metal. I don't think like just metal is a problem. I think there's some fantastic stuff out there. That's probably a better term to use would be single piece. Metal just happens to be the the medium that it's made out of. Yes, there's some fantastic single piece stuff out there. Um, I just don't know why people are still using metal. It's expensive. It's heavy. It must cost a fortune to ship it around the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just blows my mind. It's one of those little industry quirks that blows my mind. I'm sure every industry has the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, earlier you said that you, I think you have 27 SKUs. Yeah, I believe that's right. I think and, that's right. Yeah. So one of the questions is, you know, um, we have a couple of questions related to expanding um, more units for your current offerings uh, uh, in general or yeah. or new factions is another question that came up and I have a specific question about one of your one of your factions so okay well let, let's answer the first one so yeah about expanding our range and stuff so that's obviously the answer to that is yes like you, we're not we're not going to be like right we've made 26 or 27 or whatever it is we're done now I drop yeah. mic and leave but no the, to be more specific about the answer, and I don't know how much trouble I'm going to get into telling you this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I can. Uh, our plan this year is to is so we just we just bought a second injection molding machine. Um, nice. Other than other than GW, I don't know, and this is completely my own speculation. But other than GW, I don't know anybody that owns their route to manufacture, like in terms of the metal the metal the metal on the mind in terms of the plastic injection molding machines the tooling and all that kind of stuff i think yeah. maybe war cradles doing some stuff as well but i don't okay. know i don't know if that's true or if i i don't know but yeah so yeah look we just brought a second machine so that means that we can increase the number of, of the amount of stuff that we can create because a lot of the stuff is selling very well and nice. one of the one of the sad parts about my job is i have to be the guy to sometimes ring up customers and say I'm really sorry, but you know, those 200 boxes of X that you've ordered, we don't actually have them because we're running at capacity. So that's going to solve that problem long-term, which is great. Great. Uh, and there isn't many of those, which is good. <clears throat> so our plan in the future, I mean, you can see our new releases um, on our website and a list of stuff that we will publicly announce, but yeah, our plan is to release, I think it's one kit a week over the next 12 months as an average, that's what we're aiming for. So even if we get halfway there and say, you know, we want to do 52 kits this year in the next 12 months. We only get halfway there and we do, you know, 20 odd. We, you know, we're still doing 26 kits yeah. in a year, which is fantastic for us. And, yeah. you know, we have a very diverse product catalog in terms of time frames and, right. you know, genres and stuff. So you, you, it's not necessarily going to be, we're going to bash out five World War One kits and then do five sci-fi kits. You know, they'll be staggered. There'll be something for everyone. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. 
tons of stuff that I'm probably not allowed to tell you about. Not even sure I was allowed to tell you that stuff, but I can't, I know I definitely can't specifically tell you some of the stuff we're working yeah. on. Yeah. And, and I want to respect that. And I appreciate you yeah. sharing what you've already shared. That's cool. Um, one of the specific questions was uh, cavalry for the skeletons or gun replacements for the French. And I don't know if you can answer either one of those. Yeah, I can. I can answer both. So um, I can't give a definitive, but I'll, I'll try and answer it in like a roundabout cryptic way that won't get me fired. So excellent. <laughs> so we're we're currently experimenting with universal plastic horses um, that may be able to be used with a lot of different kits. Okay, so I'm going to just leave that bit there. That's okay. take take from that what you will. Um, secondly, the what was the second question? Uh, gun replacements for the French. Gun replacements for like you mean like the actual weapons that they come with on the sprue? I think so. I think that's what the asker was wondering. Uh, okay, I thought it might have been something else. Okay, so we got more French stuff planned. Great. That's that's as much as I can say. There's definitely okay. more French <laughs> stuff planned. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you what it is. I can tell you it's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's more French stuff planned. Yeah. Well, it sounds like with uh, you know, it sounds like with the new uh, release schedule that there's there's going to be a lot of great things to look forward to. And so yeah. no matter what era, whether you're you're playing sci-fi, which I'm going to have some questions about that coming up soon, or fantasy mm -hmm. or historicals, there's it sounds like there's going to be something for everyone there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And look, not, not all of the releases are going to be, you know, whilst I think our price point is fantastic, I'd, I'd be wrong to say that all of our boxes are going to be, all of our releases are going to be boxes for $35 or £25 or, or yeah. whatever it is in euros. Some of them will be like the Deathfields upgrade sprue that we just released, which is, you know, very, I think it's £4.50 or it might be $6. I don't know. Check the website. Yeah. Don't quote me on prices. Um, but it's a very cost effective sprue that just gives you loads of cool extra components, like what your, your um, listener there was asking about the French. Yeah, it's completely possible that we could do that in the future. Yeah. Do a, like a little frame of just different guns and different bits and bobs. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, um, I was looking online. You mentioned Deathfields, and that was my, that's where I wanted to go next. I was looking online and I noticed that you uh, there was an announcement for the all-female cannon fodder mm. yes. uh, coming out, which looks yeah. amazing. So and, excited by that! Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and 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 this is not a spoiler because it is something I read on your website. Yeah. But um, but it did you did say that uh, that that field is going to be a future game that you guys will be releasing. And yeah, so, definitely. I think that's I think that's out there in the public. You know, like. Yeah. In terms of like what that looks like, or if you, if you want to ask me like what do the rules look like, or how's it going to play, or how many models do I need, the, the answer is I don't know. Like I honestly don't know. I have not seen it yet. Yeah. Um, but I do know that Deathfields will be one of the game systems um, that we will have, and I use the word systems there specifically because we intend to have more than one. Um, and yeah, we we want to grow it to be a thing. We, we've yeah. got this fantastic little IP in the making of you know. It's, it's one of those things about miniatures companies, right? So whilst the miniatures market, if you take GW out of it, the miniatures market is not that huge, right? It's, it's, it's a million pound industry rather than a billion pound industry. Yeah. You, 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 you want to almost like GW or like any company, like Disney, like whoever, you want to own the IP because then it's protected and you can control you know, how people experience it. Now, that's yeah. not to say that in the future, we're going to stop doing historical stuff. I think historical stuff will always be popular. But yep. the challenge with historical wargaming, and, and I know this from my time at Warlord Games as well, is we can make the best, you know, Sherman Mark IV, or we can make the best, um, you know, US infantry or paratroopers or whatever. But there's nothing stopping anybody else making slightly better or more detailed or less detailed or more gamer friendly or less gamer friendly. So the competition becomes exponential. Whereas when you own the IP, um, you know, you can you're the only person that can make that, which means you have complete creative control over all the other really cool stuff as well, like the story and the background and the yeah. novels and the audio books and all the other stuff that all the, all the big players are doing. So that's absolutely what we want to be looking at for the future. Um, but that, you know, I don't want to dissuade any historical listeners by thinking, oh, they're going to stop doing as much historical. That's not the case. We've got, we've got a target of 52 kits to get out a year. Quite a chunk of those are going to be historicals. Yeah, yeah, very good. So um, I just have a couple more questions. I think uh, I've been I've been really enjoying this conversation. Um, right. uh, one of the things that happens, you know, on the forums and on the Discord server is 
uh, people are getting into 3D printing and more of more of my listeners have their own printer and are printing, you know, some pretty cool things. Yeah. Um, do, do you see War Games Atlantic, you know, releasing STL files and things like that, getting into that, into the game that way, or like, it's, you see it as a competitor yeah. or complementary to the hobby? I don't think I see it as a competitor. I, okay. I've thought about it for a long time. You know, I've, I've been in the industry longer than I've been at War Games Atlantic. So I've been thinking about this question for a long time. And as the owner of a 3D printer as well, I, uh, you know, humbly, it's quite a good one. You know, I've got an Elegoo, what is it, a Mars Pro 2. It's, it's a good resin printer, you know, it's nice. It yeah. does churn out some nice crisp stuff. In fact, I, um, this is probably illegal, but I 3D printed a little Iron Man Hulkbuster before they released the Hulkbuster for Marvel Crisis Protocol, which I've also now owned. Um, nice. <laughs> but you can tell the difference, right? There's a big, big difference between 3D printed and injection molded. Now you could use, I don't know if it's even possible, but you could use like a more plastic resin that gives you the sign of like the plastic effect. But the detail from in-house production is never going to be the same as the quality yeah. from like, you know, a, a world-renowned sculptor or a well-respected sculptor using you know, an injection molded plastic machine that can get it right every time. It doesn't take 12 hours to print. And then when it fails halfway through. So now I don't think I see 3D printing being a competitor. I think I see 3D printing being supplementary. What I think people are going to use 3D printing for is less miniatures. And don't get me wrong, you'll always get those people that are like, you know, I'm not spending 35 quid on some World War II French. I'll just print them myself. But you know, the price point for our product is not the GW price point. You know, you right. get 30, what is it, 30 French guys for 25 pounds. You know, we're talking 80 pence, 90 pence a miniature. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to beat that by just by buying a bottle of resin. Um, I'm sorry, you're not. But, um, you know, I think it will be worse, like a harder, it will hit hard at the bigger companies that have, you know, have an artificially high price point. Yeah. I don't see us in that camp. I think if we stick to our business ethos, which is providing highly detailed, beautifully sculpted models to people at an incredibly affordable price, I think we'll be fine. And I see the 3D printing market as like a supplementary hobby market at the moment. I see that as like people printing terrain, objective markers, uh, you know, things that are very specific to their army. You know, maybe they want like, they don't mind about the quality because they want this specific jeep that is broken down as an objective marker or they want this specific anti-tank gun that you know was at the battle of such and such um yeah that's fine that's great i totally use mine for that already but um, no i don't see it as competition and i'm we're not particularly worried about the rise of 3d printing yeah yeah i one, one of the things that you mentioned <coughs> a couple of times is is the price point of your kits they you get so much like yeah. the, the value is so yeah. good. And, and while I haven't personally opened one of your kits, you know, some of the, some of the people that I, that I know have, and, and, and they, they like the quality. And so, so yeah. I love, I love that ethos that, that you, that you talk about there. Yeah. And we're trying, we're trying to get better at that as well. We're trying yeah. to get better at working the tolerances on the frames so that we can fit more stuff on there. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're, um, we're always trying to improve. I mean, you might look at like the death fields upgrade frame, at the moment and think, oh, that's probably, that's really crammed full of stuff. There's like, you know, 17 laser rifle things on there and you know, <laughs> X amount of heads and this, that, and it's just a small frame that's like, you know, half the size of A5. Um, but yeah, we, we even, we look at that and we go, we can probably get more on that. Like we can wow. move stuff around and get more on that. And, and if we keep working like that's that, incredible. we will continuously <laughs> get stuff more on it because, you know, adding an extra component to a frame doesn't increase the cost for us really you know we're talking about fractions of fractions of fractions of a cent to add a little bit more plastic it's the it's the tooling and the and the machining and all that stuff that's the expensive part and the, and the paying the sculptor and doing all that jazz yeah the, the actually designing it that we want to get as much on there as humanly possible because that means that you know, they'll sell better there'll be more yeah. stuff on there for people to use and i'm sure you're the same as every other listener in in this uh, or listening to the podcast will be the same you end up with a big pile of plastic odd bits that you use to make terrain and scatter bases and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we want to, we want to support that stuff. I like that. I like that very much. Um, I, um, uh, I wanted to ask you as we sort of near the end, before we get to the hobby desk, 
um, where I'm going to ask you kind of what you're working on personally and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, is there is there a question that I did not ask that that maybe you would have would have liked me to ask? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered like if I if I came in here and thought what the two main things I want people to know about us, it would be you know a that we make some fantastic kits. It's not just because I think I think the danger is with War Games Atlantic specifically in the hobby world if you hear about a company you usually hear about it in a certain light so if you hear about war games atlantic you probably hear about you know if i'm being really honest you probably hear about the death fields range because you know it's used in a lot of 30 and 40k and that's the most popular games that's probably how you get introduced whereas some of the historical stuff that we do and the you know all of our stuff is will work in miniature agnostics games or even non-miniature agnostic games if if you if you want to go down that road so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got that point across. And just the fact that we've got so many kits planned this year, it's, it's going to be an incredibly busy time for us. So I, I would encourage people to sign up to the newsletter or like it on Facebook just so they can see what the next 52 kits are going to be. Because I think starting this week, they'll start trickling out. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And I'll and I'll put a link in, in the show notes, uh, you know, for people to, you know, to follow along and stuff for themselves. Uh, thank you. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the last thing I always like to end on is hobby desk. And so I just want to know personally, like, what are you building? What are you painting? I can show you right now. Um, I'm not going to be get many points at work for this one because it's not a work project, but <laughs> I've always, I just recently listened to the audio book. Um, which one was it? Mechanicum, the okay. 40k audio book. Yeah. So I've got a, I've got a big box of Imperial Knights here ranging from little Castellani dudes that I've been painting and house Griffonicus colors, which I think is the yellow and white. Yeah. Um, up to, you know, like these big boys, which is going to be awesome. So nice. that's my, you know, and I love the fact that it's like a, a 1500 point army. It's like four models. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, um, that's what I'm working on at the moment. What about you? Uh, so um, I have some, uh, right now I have some unfinished, um, uh, monster apocalypse models that I'm painting. I've got some, some green fury stuff. And then upstairs I've got some dwarves for war master that are not finished. The war master systems that like sort of 15, 13.5. Yeah. 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 I wasn't sure. I wasn't confident on how dense the, uh, the models on the bases need to be. So, um, but, uh, and then, um, and then I've been, the, my only free night really these uh lately is a tuesday night which is uh kings of war night and so cool. i've been we've got some halflings uh that, that i got to put on the table and so what i what i've done recently is i've just cut up cardboard pieces and and labeled them like the footprint because you know it, it's rank and flank and yeah, so yeah. and and so and i'm like so i've been playing with cardboard pieces trying to figure out how to deploy and and do I want to build it as a regiment sized yeah. or do I want to build it as a horde size or whatever so but um yeah, and then Kings my... of War is one of those things that's also like genuinely on my desk because I use it almost every D&D session for yes. one of these drawers uh, although saying that I've got some I've got a th- I've been working on some 30k epic of my own um <laughs> yes <laughs> tiny little thunderhawk um but let me grab it up um, so yeah, I've got the goblins, which for some reason I must have moved. But, yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're fantastic little armies in a box. You know, I think Mantic's done a great thing there. And I've not played the game yet because I wanna, I wanna get all my stuff built and primed before I play. But um, yeah, then I'll figure it out afterwards what it needs to be. Yeah, a- it has a, it has a fresh way of uh, dealing with. Uh, I'm gonna do the the air quotes uh, wounds. And yeah. um, which is which is an area that can bog down games, and yeah. and so Kings Award uh, kind of sidesteps that, and and it just it just makes the game go really fast and smooth. Good. So, yeah. So well, I look I'm forward to playing it. So good, was that? Good. I said I look forward to playing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not one that I've got round to yet, but I've owned the stuff for like six months now, so I really should pull pull my finger out and get some of it done. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, it's um, you know the the odd Marvel figure. I think I'm just working on Kingpin at the moment. And then nice. it's mainly, it's mainly stuff for D and D, you know, D and D is probably the only thing that we do regularly as a group. So it's constantly yeah. painting new bad guys and, you know, getting stuff yeah. done for that. So, and, and that again is, 
is a mixture of War Games Atlantic and North Star yeah. and Age of Sigma stuff. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I do. We do uh, D. I kind of sort of do D and D in seasons. Okay. And, uh, and we Maybe I need to do that. <laughs> yeah, we wrapped up our storyline. I think in uh, December, and cool. then uh, and then we haven't restarted. So. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so you like that like, D and D gets you through the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just depends on how long it takes for the season. So, yeah. but, um, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I've personally, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I want to thank oh. you for coming on. Oh, thank uh, you very much to, for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah. I want to let all my listeners know uh, that you can, you know, you can find us, find me at spellstormminiatures.com, find Carl at Wargames Atlantic, and I'm going to have links in the show notes. And um, I want to encourage you to like them on Facebook as well. So you can, follow yeah, along cool. and hear all the releases i can't wait to see what you guys come up with so yeah uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun 12 months for us like yeah this week is very important for us because we're gonna we're talking about putting a lot of stuff out and i may have just forced our hand at actually doing it by saying that we're going to do it but yes <laughs> that's um yeah that's the plan is for us to release for pre-order quite a few things this week so um, yeah, do check it out. Do stay tuned. And thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. I'd love to come back anytime. what we're going to be doing with our game generation stuff you know we're exploring okay. and, and i know that's like your listeners are going to be annoyed with that because that's a super right. fluffy answer but it is super early for us in terms of rules yeah. generation um okay the the hundred percent i can tell you hundred percent the the goal of the business is to have rule sets for every line of miniatures that we do and probably rule sets that straddle those lines as well but okay. what that actually looks like and the time frame around that is so up in the air um and, and undecided that i would be i'd be remiss for for putting a time frame on it okay and that's and that's totally yeah. fine yeah. yeah yeah um i uh so but at, at the moment then you just do models and you don't have any rules published out there no no there, you know there's a few people that we're working on in terms of supporting their model line and their rules um so we've got um you know like the classic example would be the 0200 miniature range that's coming out for their game. Um, so with the, the commandos and the, the German sentries and stuff like that. So yeah, we're, we're helping people with that stuff. You might not find it on the website yet because um, oh, okay. I don't think it, it's been listed, but people know about it. There's quite a popular Facebook group and, and all that jazz. And we've shown the, the three ups and all that, all that stuff. But um, yeah, in terms of actually having our own rule sets, that's definitely something we're still exploring. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. Yeah, uh, I have a personal goal myself, um, you know, being involved in the hobby and, and playing a number of games that um, eventually I would like to write my own rule set. 
Um, Don't we all? I mean, it's something yeah. we all fantasize about, right? You know, because 100. You know, I'm just going to pick a game out of the ether that, you know, we can use as a benchmark for something that probably doesn't have the best rules. And for me, I know like lots of people disagree with this, but for me, it's, it's 40K, right? It's a game that I love. If I had my camera on now, you would see me sat in my shed, completely surrounded by Blood Angels and Thousand Suns. And yeah. It's a game that I love to pieces, but the rules just for me, I, I don't enjoy some of the rules and the mechanics. So we all have yeah. that moment as hobbyists where we think, I wonder how big the leap is between hobbyist and designer. And I'm sure it's much larger of a void than we would all like to admit. But yeah, um, yeah it's um, it's definitely something that we're looking into in terms of fresh new ideas in the industry. Because if, if you if you get the same people that have always written rules, you're just going to get the same stuff. Yeah. 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 No. I, everything you just said is like my heartbeat. So yeah, great. So I love that. So, um, so why don't we, um, and uh, just so you know, I, I actually, uh, you started talking and I, and so I, I did hit record, um, cool. and, and hopefully I can, you know, find a way to put that stuff in and, um, during, during the editing or whatever, but, um, well, look, if you need me to repeat anything, I can, I could be just as passionate the second time around. Good. Okay. Yeah. I figured, I figured you would be, it would come around again. So, um, yeah, and and behind me, hanging from the ceiling, is a uh, uh, a big it's like a first edition Thunderhawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of the things that they did for the Aeronautica Imperialis release. And so I tell got... you what, I, I left my camera off because I was ashamed of how messy my office is at the moment. But let me um, let me see if I can get it back yeah. on, and I'll just give you a quick right. So yeah, there's a there's a huge Hoover behind me. Ignore that. Nice. Um, but if I show you that end of the room, um, so you can see the top shelf is all my Blood Angels, and then nice. you know, going down is all my Marvel Crisis Protocol, my Crimson Fists. I think I'm up to, I think I'm up to like 19 40k armies now, which is you know definitely obsessive compulsive. Um, yeah. But the one I'm most looking forward to, which will I think shock people, is I've ordered a load of Grognards, and I really want to do an Imperial Cults and Militias army for 30k. So nice. that's the one that I'm looking forward to because I feel like with these alternative models and these alternative sculpts and the different stuff, and it's obviously miniatures agnostic, so I can go and use it in Stargrave and yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of those people that goes to official events, so I don't really, you know, people right. saying, you know, GW is going to turn you away from official events. Like, that's, that doesn't phase me, you know, right. I play in my shed. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's probably the project I'm most looking forward to at the moment. Cool. Yeah, I uh, signed up for this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's and so a I'm going to be adding a couple armies over the next eighty weeks Good. myself. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, did you sign up for it by telling yourself that you were going to do the Space Marines or the Necrons, or have you just already accepted that you're going to do both? I'm going to do both. Cool. Yeah, because I've got a drawer full of all my Necron parts, and uh, yeah. yeah, I just haven't yeah. got around to either putting them on eBay or giving them to a friend. Or well, I will probably do do Necrons because Necrons like one of the only forty k armies I don't have at the moment. But we're, we're talking about GW again, and what we should be doing is talking about War Games Atlantic. Exactly. Yeah. So, so why don't I do? Um, we'll, we'll take a brief pause so that I have yeah. editing space, and cool. then and then I'll do the introduction, and then and then we'll go right into it. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Just, to, just for my benefit, are you going to use video on this, or is this going to be audio? Audio only. Cool. Okay, I'll just over describe everything then. Yeah. Yeah. Right.